This is the Culture Curriculum Podcast with your hosts, Isaac and Jenna Kloppenstein. Hi, guys. In this recap of episode two, which was vision influenced by formative experiences with Lisa Cordes, we're going to give you a brief rundown of some of our thoughts and, and highlights from the episode, as well as how we are going to specifically apply them to our coaching careers. So thanks for joining us. Let's prepare to stay the course. So the first thing we want to talk about in this recap of episode two is one of the phrases that Lisa used was fail fast. And that was something that really struck me when I heard it and has kind of stuck with me. I've kind of, it's kind of resonated with me, I guess. And as Jen and I were talking about it a little bit, the reason we feel like that is so important is that you should not wait to fail. Because the sooner you fail, the sooner you will learn. And the sooner you learn, the sooner you will improve. And when we were thinking about this, as coaches, from a coaching perspective, the first thing that we thought about is conveying this to our players. Our players need to know that they are in an environment, they are in a culture that embraces failure as a learning opportunity. But I also think this needs to go for coaches as well. It needs to go for coaches. It needs to go for bosses. It needs to go for the leaders as well as the players. Yeah, and something that I was thinking about from a coaching perspective is, you know, all too often pressure comes along with coaching and there's certain things that behind the scenes that we talk about wanting to try and maybe hedge on a little bit because of how it's going to be um, received by our players, but actually more importantly, and by the community or by parents. And, you know, we're there for a reason as the coaches. And I think that that's something that Isaac and I agree on. We're there because the AD, whoever hired us and they trust us and our players should trust us and they believe in us and we're not going to get everything right, but there's only one way to learn. And that is to fail fast. I mean, you're either going to sink or swim and regardless, you're going to learn. And from learning, like Isaac said, the sooner you learn, the sooner you're going to improve. And it goes back to another word that Lisa used also, which was innovate. She talked about innovation. Innovation does not occur without failure. Failure precedes innovation in every instance. The faster you fail, the sooner you can innovate. And like you said, if we want to do our jobs to the best of our ability, it will involve failure. Inevitably will involve failure. Right. And innovation, like we talked about in our podcast, is a captivating world. Innovation is leaps. You know, you take leaps with innovation, and you rarely hear that, I think, in the coaching world. But how awesome would it be to be an innovator in your field? Yeah, for sure. And it, it takes a lot of confidence in yourself. But like you said, you are there for a reason. People believe in you, you believe in yourself, 
And when that happens, you should be comfortable failing. And I want to go back to something that you said, Isaac, about this goes for our players. I think that's so important. And Isaac's a basketball coach, and I've heard him say time and time again, I'm not going to get mad, or I'm really going to get mad if a player takes a shot. Mm-hmm. Or he's going to get actually more mad if that player passes up that shot because he wants that player to be confident in taking that shot. Not necessarily that that's the right choice, right, Isaac, that to, for them to take the shot. Yeah, I, I think the, the only thing as coaches that we get mad about are the things that the player can control. A player cannot control whether that ball goes in that time. They, they can, are not going to make every shot. They can control whether they shoot it or not. And if they choose not to shoot it because they're afraid of failure, that's something that is an issue. Right. And I mean, I'm a soccer coach, so I this resonates with me a lot when I think about our attacking-minded players, our forwards, our midfielders. And I say to them all the time, you're going to fail. You should fail. That means that you're, you're trying something new, that you're going for it, that you're being a risk-taker. And that's fine because you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed. But those successes are going to be so much greater. Unless you fail, you really aren't going to truly succeed as much. Because it's something that we always say in soccer, or really probably any sport, you miss 100% of shots that you don't take. Yep. Growth happens through failure. I'm not sure... I guess I do think that growth can happen in success. But I don't feel like to the degree that it can happen with failure. It's more difficult. You, I think you learn more about yourself. I mean, you have to really dig deep and... I don't know if it's overcome. Maybe overcome. Yeah, I think yeah. when you overcome, that's where true growth happens. When you have to overcome an obstacle. You have to push through. When you have to push through. And I think that through failure, that is where true growth can happen. This is something that that really, the more I thought about it, in my classroom this year, how great would it be if all of my students were willing to fail fast? And it sounds so interesting to think about this in a classroom. Failure is such a, a scary word for a student to think about failing. Failure doesn't have to be a bad thing. The only failure is refusing to change or refusing to grow. That is failure. But if you do something wrong and then take the steps to improve, that is far from our formal or or old definition of failure. You just said failure to improve or failure to try. What'd failure you, to change. Failure to change. Failure to improve. That goes back to a couple other words that came up in our podcast, sitting down and talking with Lisa. Complacency. Yeah. Complacency, we talked about there maybe being an arrogance there. And we talked about with complacency, there's a lack of wanting to improve or honestly, maybe not a recognition that you need to improve, that you're complacent. And being complacent is not good. It's it's not a good thing. And the other thing that we talked about was being on default mode. And that's in your comfort zone. You really learn a lot about yourself when you push outside of that comfort zone, which, I mean, 
brings me to a conversation that Isaac and I were talking about earlier about us sitting here talking to you guys. This isn't necessarily in our comfort zone and we didn't really know when a good time to do it would be. And so we just went for it. We're not comfortable necessarily here, but we are challenging ourselves and we're pushing ourselves to hopefully grow with you guys. Growth occurs in that discomfort. Growth through discomfort. I think that is where true growth happens. So we thought that, that was really interesting. The, the phrase fail fast. And I think that that, if instilled in a lot of cultures, would reap great benefits. The second thing that Lisa talked about or advised to our listeners was specifically directed towards anyone struggling to find their identity or their vision, be it for their individual selves, for their programs, for their business, for their teams, whatever it is. If you are struggling to find or identify your vision, the advice Lisa gives is to think back to your early years. And she specifically says 18 years or younger. And think about something that impacted your life and changed how you view the world. And Lisa talked about that as growing up in segregated schools and the effect that that had on her, the uh, passion that that developed for social justice, for those who were not dealt as favorable a hand maybe as she had been dealt by pure coincidence. So it changed how she viewed the world and it created this passion, this fire within her to pursue that social justice for those who were less fortunate. I think it's important to recognize that we all have visions. We all have that burning desire inside of us. I think that just all too often we have not spent the time and the effort to identify it. Right. Uh, And after our conversation with Lisa, Isaac and I sat down and we thought about what are formative experiences in our life, specifically 18 years or younger, that have impacted our vision for our personal lives and our careers. And I just thought of one example. And honestly, when you truly sit down and think about that, there, I mean, there's a lot of experiences that I can tie to my vision for today for my life. The one that uh, I'd like to share with you guys is Isaac and I, like we've told you, are coaches. And as a player, you see the game in a different, through a different lens than you do as a coach. And 18 years or younger, you obviously view things a little bit differently than you do as an adult. So personally, for most of my soccer days, I'd always been a key player and a starter on my teams through my youth years, through high school, and I was blessed enough to go on and play Division I college soccer. And my first year, my freshman year, it was same story, and I was very blessed. I was a starter. Things were going right. Go into my sophomore year, and through my sophomore year that continued through my junior year 
of college, I wasn't a full-time starter anymore. We'd switched formations. We got new personnel. I was given a new role. And that was hard for me. Um, from that experience, I definitely saw life and the game from a different perspective. I realized things weren't always going to be the way that I wanted. I realized that life isn't always going to be sunshine and rainbows. But you know what? That is a, that's okay. Because I truly believe had I never gone through that, I wouldn't be the coach I am today. And I wouldn't be able to relate to my players like I'm able to relate to them because I can relate on a broader spectrum now to these players. I can tell them I was in your shoes. You know, whereas if I didn't go through those struggles, maybe I didn't I couldn't relate to them as much. And experiencing those challenges pushed me in ways that I hadn't been pushed before. I learned the true meaning of being resilient. And resilient is an awesome characteristic to have in life, to have in any aspect of your life. Something that I learned at that time too, when you talk about a vision, Isaac and I have shared that how important it is to surround yourself with people who are positive and who believe in you and who help get you back on course, help you stay the course toward your vision. Luckily in that moment where I was going through that formative experience, when I got down, I had good support around me like Isaac, my mom, my sister, my teammates to pick me up, to remind me of things that maybe I had lost vision of or I had lost track of and they believed in me and they helped me refocus and so I guess my kind of closing point on that whole thing is when we talk about vision your support system is so important you're not perfect and you're gonna fail just like we said and if you surround yourself with people who will keep you moving toward your vision it'll make it not easy but it will make it easier yeah so, like Jenna said, we spent some time thinking about our formative experiences, and we would highly encourage that everybody do the same. Think back to a an event that has shaped or changed the way you view the world, and use that to create your vision, especially if you're having trouble truly identifying or uh, defining, I guess, what your vision is. Think back to a formative experience. And then the second step is to bring that into your job. Whatever your job is, use that vision and bring it into your job. For Lisa, I think it was obvious. The formative experiences that Lisa had that really lit that fire for her obviously led to a career in social work, trying to create that social justice for those less fortunate. And she said, I feel like I'm in my dream job. For some of you, that link between your vision and your current career might not be so obvious. And I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. Specifically for you coaches, think about what your team or program would look like for you to say that you are in your dream job. What would have to happen? What would be said about it? What would the players do? What would the parents do? What would you want 
your players to say was the culture of the program when they left after those four years, or even if it was a little bit less than that, what would your dream culture, your dream vision, your dream program, your dream coaching career look like? And once you've identified that, what steps do you need to take in order to make that happen? And Jenna, I want to touch kind of on what you just said. After those four years, what would those players say about your program, about those teams? One thing that Lisa touched on, she talked about how important it was that their vision be co-created. And she discussed how she gathered input. She said, I think from a small net is how she worded it. But she had stakeholders in the community. She had executives within her organization. And they all contributed to this idea of a vision for United Way of Central Ohio. I think it's interesting to think about how that might translate into a coaching realm. Because like you just said, those players are going to leave after four years. Does that mean that your vision changes? Yeah, and I, I mean, that's something that you and I talked about. And thinking back on our conversation, and obviously at that moment, I love that co-creation. And it's not necessarily that I don't like it as much. Um, I'm not sure I like it as much when it comes to the vision component. And the reason why is just what you said. Like you and I have talked about, personnel changes and you know these players are gonna cycle through and if I if you co-create with each set of captains and if you co-create with each next class and each group well now all of a sudden you're changing your vision you know if I'm a head coach and I take over a program once I have my vision set I'm going towards it but just like Lisa reminded me in that interview, that's not to say that you are close-minded to hearing others' right. thoughts, especially if maybe you get lost along the way. But as far as co-creating the vision, I I think that you have to you have to be careful of how much input you have because it truly has to be the leaders. It has to be the coaches or the CEOs because, like you said, personnel is going to change. You can have co-creation of other components within a program. Yes, like team goals, season goals, right. I think can e very easily and probably should be co-created. The players should have input there. They should because those are year-specific yep. to the personnel that you have. Yes. But a vision is a bigger scale. That's for your program. It's a lasting impact. It's something that you see lasting forever. And obviously, you won't be in that job forever, but your vision is infinite. It is something you will continually be working towards. So I think that co-creation can be a very delicate topic. Right. And we were reminded with reflecting on our interview with Lisa and sitting down why we're doing this. And we're doing this to learn, right? Yeah. So, I mean, a few days ago I said, I, I love co-creation when it comes to a vision. And then we think about it more. And because we had that conversation, we're like, we love co-creation, but not necessarily for a vision. 
But again, this goes back to why we're sitting here with you guys, why we're talking. We are learning with you. And it's it's awesome. Yeah, this has been really fun. I think the last thing then is once you have that vision, what Lisa said is she talked about the leaders needing to walk the talk and live it every single day. Uh, the quote that Jenna said, and I, and I loved this quote, if you don't live out your vision, no one will follow you and no one should. And I thought that that was fantastic. If you are not living your vision, no one will follow you and no one should. Yeah, and something that you know we've heard in the past or we've read through this process and that we believe wholeheartedly is you're not a leader based on your title. Correct. Just because you are CEO, just because you are the head coach, that's not what makes people follow or that doesn't guarantee you to have people follow you. It is through your behaviors. Yeah. The CEO needs to earn that leadership and any, but anybody else can be a leader also. It, it, you don't have to have the title to be a leader and having the title doesn't make you a leader. Right. Right. You lead I mean, this is a, a saying, right? You lead by your actions. You lead by your behaviors. And it's true. When we see somebody that is happy and doing the right thing, you naturally want to follow that person. When you see somebody one day doing one thing, the next day going against it, and they're so wishy-washy or you can't really tell what they believe in, right. you want nothing to do with that because you're like, he or she's confused. I don't want to be there. Right. The word that Lisa used was consistency. And we talked about how much easier it is to be consistent when what you're talking about is something you are truly convicted in. When your vision is something that you are truly convicted in, being consistent, again, is not easy, but is easier. Because you don't have to, and I think the phrase you used was the Jekyll and Hyde on and off switch. You're not being one person here and another person there. That vision is something that is truly ingrained within you. So being consistent will come much more naturally to you. Absolutely. Trying to keep that parallel within your home home. And Lisa said your work's your home, which is an interesting point. But all those aspects of your life. So you as a coach, you as a parent, you as a spouse, you as whatever your occupation may be. Isaac's a teacher. I'm a physician assistant. Trying to be that the core of you, the same person in all of those is what you should strive to do because that is who you are at your core. Now, your vision for you as a wife is clear or me as a wife is clearly different than my vision for I shouldn't say clearly is a little bit different than my vision as me as a coach. Yeah. I would say only a little bit, different. only a little correct. Just because my role is different, but right. you know what? Same. I want to be the best version of myself in every situation. And I want to help Isaac in our home be the best version of himself. And when I coach, I want to help those girls be the best version of themselves. And at work, I hope I influence my coworkers to be the best version of themselves and your patience yeah and my patience so the consistency piece I, I think again it boils down to having that very very clear vision so again we were really very grateful uh that lisa was able to join us 
for our second episode of Culture Curriculum. We will continue with that thought. You know, we mentioned that when you have that very clear, clear and concise vision, staying the course being easy, er, not easy. And in our next episode, we will be talking a little bit more about the stay the course piece. So we hope you tune in for that. In the meantime, uh, please give us a follow. You can find me on Twitter at iklop, I-K-L-O-P. Me at Jenna Klopp, J-E-N-N-A-K-L-O-P. And you can also follow us on both YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, all at Culture Curriculum. So again, thanks for joining us for this recap of episode two. Let's prepare to stay the course.